0: Everybody and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for Season 5. Yep, we went all the way back to Season 5, Episode 34. This week's episode, we are kind of in our interim between Season 7 and 8. And as I mentioned to you last week, what we're doing is we're playing some interviews that I recorded. at the Both of them, actually, at the very beginning of our investigation into the West Memphis 3 case. You'll notice, like, in the interview with Damien, there's there's some things where I'm asking him questions that, clearly, if you listen to Season 5, I know the answer to those now. But I didn't know the answer to those questions then. Uh, I thought it was a really cool interview with Damien. Seemed to have, have got a lot of response on social media. So I'm really curious to see what all you guys have to say and the questions you have. I'm joined today, of course, by Mike Bussing. Hey. And Zach Weaver. Aloha. And I think uh, right after our short break for our sponsor, I want to start off by talking to... Zach about what he thought of the interview because that's actually how Zach and I really got to become friends. He was my tattoo artist, and when he found out I was doing the West Memphis Three case, he was a big West Memphis Three case. I don't know if enthusiast is the right word.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a strange. I I don't want to say supporter either because I don't want people to necessarily believe that I just am on their side 100. Right. You know, just from the get go. But you're you've always been interested. in I've the always case. been very interested in the case, and that
0: that's when Zach started listening to Truth and Justice. It says there our beautiful, lovely relationship has blossomed from there. Mm-hmm. So after a short break, we're going to start with that, and then we'll get into your guys' questions. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so first thing, actually, before that thing, I think this is a good place to announce kind of a weird, very weird, actually. But people have been asking us to do, we do fan meetups whenever we travel, but we've never actually done a fan meetup here locally. And uh, we're still not going to, (laughs) (laughs) but we sort of are. So, th- and this is really a, w- a weird thing for uh, Truth and Justice, but uh, I th- thought I would announce this in case any of you guys want to come out and meet the crew. Uh, Zach and I just recently both discovered that we both have um, kind of a bucket list that we've always wanted to try out doing stand-up comedy, which is a strange thing to talk about on our murder podcast. It
1: is a little strange.
0: Right. But but it's I was just thinking, this literally came to me as we're sitting here recording that it might be a good opportunity for anybody who wants to see some us bomb and do terribly. It's something we've never done before, mm-hmm. uh, and also have an opportunity to to meet us any of you that are here local in the if you're where we're at. If you're near South Bend, Indiana, uh, that's where we're going to be next Tuesday night. Uh, you can come check it out. So we are going to be what's it called the Drop
1: the Drop Comedy Club the
0: Drop Comedy Club next Tuesday, March 10th at uh, 8 p.m. The show starts. It's an open mic night and they were gracious enough to give both myself and Zach a slot to to check one off our bucket list mm-hmm. which for me is to eat shit at a comedy club in front of <laughs> lots of people. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping I don't do that but there's a there's a distinct possibility that that's going to happen. I'm counting on myself doing it. Yeah. But it's just funny because we uh you know I I had mentioned to my son that I you know it's just one of my bucket I just want to try it one time just mm-hmm. to see if I can do it. Don't care after that, don't care if I ever do it again. I mentioned to Zach and he's like, I've had the same idea. Yeah. I've wanted
1: to do it for a while. Even my wife was like, yeah, that's, yeah, you'd want to do that. When your wife mentioned to my wife that that she's like, you
0: know what these idiots want to do. Exactly what her text said. Yep, And my wife was like, yeah, no, I know he wants to do that. It's been a while. Yep. And so we are going to give it a shot. So if you, uh, if you want to come again, it's a weird thing that it's a comedy show for us, but we'll be there having drinks at the drop comedy club Tuesday night. March 10th at 8 p.m. in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, I'm sure Mike will be there supporting us. Right on, man. Laughing at our jokes no matter what. No, I'm going to be completely stone-cold face. He's going heck, to heckle us. Throw tomatoes and, and yeah, lettuce at absolutely us. Absolutely heckle us. <laughs> all right. So that being said, there's your, there's your meet and greet, locals, is going to be at the Drop Comedy Club. Now, Zach, you, we haven't talked about this at all, but you being very, very interested in the West Memphis 3 case, You've never got to hear that interview before. Thoughts, questions?
1: You know, first thing that stands out, I, I'm very happy to hear this. I've followed this case for about 15 years now, if I think about it. Mm-hmm. About 15 years. And like you said in the intro, that that's that's kind of how we became friends, was over this case. right? So it was really nice to hear from Damien. And there's some things in the interview that's nice to hear because you don't hear about that. He, did, he hasn't done a lot of post-release interviews, at least right. that I know of. I mean, there are out there, don't get me wrong, but there's not. A lot of them, yeah. And to hear this one a little more
0: in depth is nice to know. Well, he, you know, in that regard, he doesn't. Damien doesn't like talking about this. Well, why would you? Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, I I can say why would you, but but Damien's actually the one that pointed it out to me. When you really look at the the three convicted, Mm -hmm. Damien, Jason, and Jesse, they all have completely different reactions to what's happened to them. Mm -hmm. You know, Damien. Just wants to move on with his life, you know. He he had he definitely had the worst of it. He was on death row. He thought he was going to be murdered, and he was put in solitary confinement for ten years before he was released. And he just he wants to move on. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't he doesn't want to deal with it. He's trying to just have whatever life he has left. He wants to live it. Jason is more, and you're going to hear from him on Sunday and next Sunday. J- Jason is more. I, I think Damien said it to me once. It's like it's like jason is still in prison okay you know he's he's so angry and he's just and he and he's so determined Mm -hmm. to to clear his name and to find the people that actually killed those three little boys that he i mean jason has never shied away from any conversation any interview yeah he'll talk about it he started his own organization called proclaim justice where they work with other wrongfully convicted people he's still fighting and you can still tell you know, he he's usually seems like the the sweet kind of more subdued one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the interview you're going to hear over the next two weeks, I was shocked when I interviewed him the the passion that he really has when he really starts talking about what happened to him. His emotions come out, and you and you see it, and it's a it's a fiery interview. But and then Jesse, so it's it's like Damien doesn't want to talk about it; he wants to move on. Mm-hmm. Jason can't seem to move on until he corrects this wrong. Yeah. Jesse, it's like it never happened,
1: yeah, well, you know, and I feel like there are there are two main routes that you go through if you go through this, and maybe I'm completely wrong here. Mm-hmm. But you have the route that that Jason has taken where he mm-hmm. he's really trying to fight, and then you have the route that Damien and Jesse kind of took now Damien has been a little more vocal than Jesse has clearly. Jesse doesn't want to talk about it at all. he just right. wants it to go away, and I think Damien would probably fall into that category too if this case didn't have the fame or infamy. Mm-hmm. that it does right you know obviously coming out he's been the, the figurehead of this whole thing right so then he got a line with johnny depp he got you know what i mean like these yeah. things happen not that he's using that he, i don't i don't think believe he wants to use that at all but no, that's doesn't. just what has happened mm-hmm. and he has no choice but to be there right but i think he'd be down that route too where he just wants to disappear and live his life
0: yeah and the problem is you know the public support is the only thing keeping any hope of you know, public interest of, mm-hmm. of keeping any hope of having their names cleared alive. But he is different than Jesse because Jesse is legitimately like it never happened. Yeah, I mean, he, I've met Jesse a couple of times. I've been to his house and he, he literally got out of prison, went right, moved right back into the same trailer with his dad that he was living in prior to his arrest. Okay. went Like nothing ever happened and went right back into the same, doing odd jobs, fixing cars. Whatever he's got to do to, you know, make ends meet, it's like it never happened for him. I think some of that has to do with some of maybe his maybe his mental capacity, mm-hmm. and, and then also, you know, they were I think they were all stunned, yeah, because it's happened to him at, at such a young age. So yeah, it's like the three of them are are all very different, and like you said, Jesse, Jesse doesn't want to talk about it, and, and a lot of that is for, you keep in mind with Jesse, Miss Kelly, when he tried to talk about mm-hmm. it. When he tried to help, the last time he talked, it landed him in prison for 18 years. Yeah. And to other people, you know, when when he's – I think he knows or at least people that are close to him have, have made clear to him, especially his lawyers I know for sure have, that he's too easily manipulated mm-hmm. to do interviews and things like that. Because I mean, you could people can just suggest stuff and then all of a sudden he'll be on the record saying things that aren't true like he did before. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: Damien mentions that even in his own testimony – in the interview you had, where uh-huh. he talks about saying, you know, they'll, they'll ask him something, and before you know it, it's worded as if he said it. Right.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com.
1: they are also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com
0: and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw room void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus that's pretty obvious you know i got into that during season five you know some of the things that are attributed to damien saying it's like i can." I, I you when you only have police notes and not transcripts, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, Damien says that whoever killed them probably did it because they couldn't hear their screams there or something like that yeah you know it's it's like surely you can't think that he was sitting there, even if you think he's guilty and was like, you know what, I think they probably did it because they couldn't you know it it's it's questions like well, why do you think why do you think they did that and and we know what their interview tactics were like because we do have recordings of other interviews. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they did that? You think it could have been because they didn't hear screams? Sure. Yeah, could be. And then they write down, Damien says it's because, you know, they couldn't hear the screams or or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, so him not doing a lot of post-conviction interviews, you know, right when he first got out, he did a ton of them. Mm -hmm. And then he really shied back. And it was a long process for me to convince him to do the interview. You know, and it kind of started with, yeah, I tried messaging him on Twitter. I tried sending emails through his website. Nothing. I ultimately, I ended up going to his. He has a he has a Patreon page. Kind of how he makes his living now. He does mm-hmm. art, um, and and makes like daily videos and posts and stuff and blogs and and people contribute to his Patreon. That's kind of how he's making his living. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll become a patron there because whatever level it was at ten dollars a month or whatever, you get a personal email from Damien. Okay, I'm like, all right. I will join his Patreon for $10, so so I get a message from him, an email from him, so I can at least tell him what we're doing. Okay. And that's, so he did that, and then I, you know, I sent sent him the email. He wrote back, and he appreciated He says, you know, I just, I don't like talking about it. I don't like doing interviews. I think at that point, then he he gave me his wife's number, and he's like, if there's something you need to help with your investigation, get a hold of Lori. She's got everything. We're happy to help, but I just don't want to be a part of it. Okay. Uh, And so as i start doing research i think you heard me say it's been a couple months i've been researching the case we made a few trips to west memphis started researching things started reaching you know reaching out to lori asking about certain testing and and documents and things like that and i I think she figured out along that process that okay we're we're genuinely here to truly investigate this case we're not trying because i think damien gets exploited a lot
1: oh absolutely
0: you know people are just like they're you know for clicks they're putting damien that Mm-hmm. And that's why, I don't know if you noticed, if for those of you that listen to season five, but we I never said their names yeah. for months. I, I wanted the focus to be on the forgotten West Memphis Three, mm-hmm. on the victims, and on the actual crime itself. And I didn't want to be, I'm, you know, hey, here's an interview with Damien Echols, so come listen to this. I held that back for well, two years I held this interview yeah. back. But I think they figured out, okay, he's genuinely trying to listen. Lori was listening to the podcast. Damien wasn't. And she saw, you know, that, okay, we're we're doing a full investigation. And then I asked again, I was like, I would love to get Damien's thoughts on this. Now mm-hmm. at that point we knew the TV show was coming, and I was like, you know, can we do an interview? Will you let us film it, you know, for this? And finally they agreed, okay, that's fine. You can come out to New York in their little Harlem apartment and and do the interview. And so immediately we packed up and went. And and actually one thing that would be I don't look into this. Because we so what happened is we filmed the interview. We had a professional camera crew there. We filmed yeah. it. And with the intention of using it in the TV show. And then once we made the TV show and we got our showrunner, she didn't like the look or feel of it. Okay. You know, uh, and you've seen a couple of the rough cuts, you know, you know, it's the the way the show is shot, the lighting, just everything was just wrong. It didn't Mm -hmm. fit. So we didn't, we we do interview Damien on the show, but it's not this interview. But I wonder if I can get that footage back from the, our producers Herzog and put it on YouTube. Possibly. So I, I, that's something I'll look into. You know, the one thing you joked about in the interview that I really appreciated
1: was when you, you jokingly said you asked him about his bank account and being, you know, is it connected to Johnny Depp? Obviously, that right. was a joke. But I think people need to understand that, that, you know, that's all they saw. Right. They, they saw people like Henry Rollins and Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. Johnny Depp, all these people speaking out and helping them, you know. Right. From from my knowledge and the way it seems, you know, as soon as he got out of prison, Eddie Vedder just swept him off his feet and took him. Him and Jason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, which was amazing, but people don't realize that that's not the life they live. Right. So I think that was that was really nice to hear and important to hear that, that that's, that's really not what's happening.
0: Right. At all. You know, and that came from, and our, our, Damien was so shy. I mean, he hadn't done an interview. At that point, he hadn't done an interview in a long time. hmm And, you know, so we we talked for a while. Actually, actually, when I got to the apartment, he was um, back in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So Lori answers the door and she's like, Oh, Damien's still back there. He's he's sleeping, he's getting cleaned up. It's weird. So we walk in with just Lori and it's almost like she was kind of feeling us out a little bit. You know, he's he's super guarded. Okay. Or he could have just been sleeping, I don't know. I mean but but whatever it was. So we're we're out there we're we're sitting there talking with Lori for a little bit, and then Damien comes out and he sits down, and we meet him and we just chat, you know, for a little while. And that's when, you know, just in our conversations together. Is when, you know, he's like, like, people, he's like, we struggle. He's like, you know how much this apartment costs in this tiny little apartment in Harlem? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, he's like, I, I have to work my ass off every day. And some people are like, oh, it's not work because it's just Patreon and his art and he's living off his fame. He's not. I mean, he for us as content creators, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's, it's so much work to every single week to put together new content and edit it and get it out there for for you all to consume. Damien does it daily. Yeah. Every single day he's grinding.
1: He was tattooing for a little bit too, which is something that I know just because I'm in that industry. Oh, I didn't know that. He he was tattooing for a little bit. He, now, he will even go and say that he's not a tattooer. Uh-huh. He will say that from the get-go. He's like, "I'm not a tattooer." Uh-huh. But he um I believe the guy's name is Kevin Wilson, he owns it's Kevin something. I want to say Kevin Wilson owns mm-hmm. Sacred Tattoo in New York. Okay. And and asked him to tattoo him. Really? Asked Damien to tattoo him? And then it kind of spread, and then he started. He was he was tattooing his the the symbols that he does, the magic symbols. Uh-huh. He was tattooing those on people for a while. But again, he said right off the bat, he's like, "I'm not a tattooer." He's like, "I'm uh,
0: just doing that," you know. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he still is. With that being said, I don't think so. He I don't think he gets out a whole lot. You know, I've been there a few times with him, and I just to be honest with you, he's he's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting guy. And I and I I count myself lucky to have met him and Lori along the way. Uh, for me, kind of expanding my horizon from my little Midwestern Christian roots here in the in in Michigan to to meet you know people from all different walks of life. Damien's a super you know I've never ever other than the interview mm-hmm. I've never talked to Damien about his case. Okay, you know if we chat like we talked about books I'm reading or whatever. I was there one time and. Me, him, and Lori went out to uh, went out to grab pizza and and got uh, these what they call them? I don't remember the name of them but there's a there's a cookie place in New York the City. Insomnia yeah yeah the, those and he's like dude you got to try these co-. we had a blast I mean he's just Damien is is, is, a, is just a really cool and to be honest with you you'd never know this because he has you know what you see on TV and even on his Patreon page but he's a, he's actually a pretty super normal guy yeah like just sitting having a conversation with him. Like he he doesn't in our conversations. There's two things we've never really talked about: his uh, magic, Mm. the ceremonial magic that he does, or the case. Okay, we talk about things like football and TV and movies and just normal stuff. You know, he's 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 just a normal guy. He really is. You know, because he has his 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 religion is different than the mainstream. People think he's weird or whatever, Mm. and. He's weird. I'm weird. You're weird. We're all a little weird. Oh well, yeah, and he
1: even says that he in that interview you did with him. He says he's like, yeah, I'm a little weird. Yeah, but like that doesn't mean you know, it
0: mm-hmm. doesn't mean much. We're all weird. Yeah, but the, you know, then it, so he, he talked the, the in that conversation beforehand. is he he's talking about his work he does and everything? He's like he's like people all the time. He's like I get that's why he kind of stays away from social media other than for his work and stuff. He's like Cause people will tag him as like, oh yeah, you've made millions off this. You've made millions from Johnny Depp and this. He's like people think Johnny Depp and I share. That's why I said when I asked the question I framed it I was like so serious question you do or you do not share a bank account with Johnny Depp? <laughs> because he had mentioned that earlier yeah. that that he didn't obviously he that that he, that he doesn't but uh it, it was it was a cool experience I had, I think he didn't put it in the follow up thread I think cuz of time zone differences we were a little getting out but I I just want to point out that Wendell one of our longtime listeners that like is the super smartest guy and has the best assessment of everything ever mhm Made a post that said it was the best interview ever with Damien ever in the whole world. I just want to make sure I put that out there in case <laughs> in case you guys didn't see that post that uh, Wendell said that I did the best interview ever with Damien. Do you, do you hear the silence? <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. Uh, but getting back, so what? What else were your your thoughts on it?
1: Well, as far as the rest of the interview, there was a lot of good stuff in there. And there was some stuff that I felt like you know, obviously knowing that the interview took place ahead of time, you know, some mm-hmm. of this came out over your investigation, right? But some of the stuff with Jerry Driver and some of the other police officials will say.
0: On that note, uh, I do want to clear up. There was some editing done Mm -hmm. that kind of made it sound like Damien was saying Jerry Driver was arrested for doing stuff with young boys. Mm -hmm. I want to point out that in the middle of that on tape, because Damien didn't want to say the name of the person he was talking to. So I asked him to write it down on a piece of paper. Okay. And so he wrote it down, which obviously for the audio is horrible. So we just cut that out. But because that piece was cut out, it kind of sounded like that's what he's talking about. But I want to put he wasn't saying that was Jerry Driver. Okay. As far as that. It was it was someone else that he was referring to.
1: But he did talk about how he got on the radar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was that was interesting stuff to hear.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was too. And yeah, some of the insight into honestly to me the the parts that were the most interesting is just like about his life after prison. Yeah. And you know, I have weird
1: thoughts on that. Like, I get that he wants to be out, but like, why move to New York? You know, you, you have you've been in
0: solitary confinement for ten years. hmm And I know
1: he traveled around a little bit, but New York,
0: you go to like the busiest city possible. It's is is it really interesting? And I don't remember I know he said it has something to do with the fact that it was because it was like the opposite of West Memphis, Arkansas. Oh, yeah, it's so
1: foreign from that.
0: Right. But he also he has Severe social anxiety, and he said it hits him in different times. This is—I don't think this was on the interview. This was just in our conversations afterwards. You know, being around crowds, and he'll be fine one day, and then the next day he'll be in a full panic, and he just can't stand it. So he—it is an interesting choice that he chose to go to New York.
1: Yeah, he did mention stuff like that, and the one thing he did mention in the interview was he said that you know there was an incident on the subway, and and when they got off the subway, Lori, Ch- are you okay? You know, right? He said, well, that was fine. He's like, but I panic about figuring out how to use a debit card. Mm-hmm. And that's that's things you would never consider.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. he's told me a lot of things like that where, you know, and it all comes down to, which we talked about in the, the same thing that Ed Eights told me when he got out, you know, it's like, you don't get to, it's funny because I referenced Ed in that interview, but that interview mm-hmm. was before Ed got out. Yeah. But uh, way to be
1: a jerk with the Coke. I,
0: know. <laughs> I think I've told that story for people who would listen to season. That's the first time I've ever heard that story. Yeah. Season two. It was the worst though. So. And we're kind of jumping all over the place. But uh, yeah, so the first time I visited him, mm-hmm. we had a four-hour visit, and, you're, and you're, there's glass between us. And if you imagine, there's a there's this long line of inmates. There's a little, it's not like, the prison edge-in is not like on TV, where you're in kind of this little solitary booth. Mm-hmm. It's just like this long bench on one side and a long bench on the other side. And you know, you're know you sitting across from them. And there's, there's like little bitty kind of half-dividers between them. Yeah. It's loud. There's a lot going on. and. And you're talking, and it's not like the phone thing. There's glass with like a little screen, so you can hear each other. But so we're talking, and you know, we've been there for a long time. And I was thirsty, I get that Coke, and he does. He keeps like, well, mm, I love me some Diet Coke. It to come to find out, by the way, he doesn't like Diet Coke. He likes Coke. He but was he, just but, trying, but I had Diet Coke. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, sure is good, you know. And I don't usually drink pop at all, so yeah. I actually wasn't thrilled with it. But I was like, yeah, that's just pretty good. Said, yeah, man, just nothing better than you know, we, we can't, we can't get it in here. You know, like right, I know. Like, I'm just like, dude, why is like, he, he's torturing himself. Why is he doing this? I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have the Coke. And finally I was like, ah, yeah, man, if I could, I could give you one, you know, I, I would, I would totally just get, he's like, oh, you can. (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you just go down and give it to the guard at the end. And then you can, and then I looked down in the whole line. That's half the reason everybody was so excited about their their visitation, yeah, is because their family would give them snacks
1: no i have I've felt that personally we uh we had a family member that was in prison, uh-huh and we we'd go visit him, they actually had vending machines, that's you, what these were from, yeah. and you could go up but see, they were in the room, you could be in the room with them, okay, gotcha yeah. but they couldn't leave, they couldn't leave their seat, uh-huh, so you would have to go to the vending machine and get whatever they wanted bring and but that was it that was like the most excitement was like. I want one of those,
0: and I want one of those, and I want one of those. Give me a Snickers bar. Give me mm-hmm. one thing after after another. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we, you know, when Ed got out, it was, it was you know, I was there with Ed when he got out. And I spent the first week he was out with him. And it was just all those little, just making choices. Mm-hmm. How much stress that is. And Ed said the exact same thing Damien said, that it just, you get trained to not make any decisions for yourself ever. Mm-hmm. They tell you when you can eat, when you can sleep, when you have to wake up, when you can take a shower, when you you know, and and also you get out, and you have to make those decisions for yourself, and it's, it's it's a big big adjustment, and you know, and Damien and Ed are also a lot alike. Where I mean, Ed pretty much lives his life like Damien. I mean, he he got out, and he's like, I'm living life. I got however many years left of my life with my wife and kids. He didn't want to talk about the case. He doesn't. You know, he's just he just being a dad. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited
0: warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence
1: around every corner. Kia movement that inspires call 800 333 kia for details always drive safely limited inventory available warranties include 10-year 100,000 mile powertrain and five-year 60,000 mile basic warranties are limited see retailer for details
0: all right our first question's from Nicole she says there have been rumors that Damien will only do interviews if he has control over what questions are asked is this true no it's total bullshit well i I guess I can't speak for other people, but i've had I've been on other people's podcasts and stuff talk about the people that are you know in the camp that believe the West Memphis Three are guilty, and they all say this they've all got the same talking points and the same lines over and over again and and for those of you by the way that were a part of season five that kind of got really turned off by all the drama because this case brings out so much vitriol, I just want you to know it's not happening again I'm done appeasing. The other side, like if you believe they're guilty, good. Go ahead, get your own group and bitch about me somewhere else. That's not going to be happening on our podcast fan page. We just wanted to be make sure we did our best to be not biased when we were covering this case the first time, and because of that, we let people stick around that were being pretty awful because we didn't want them to think we were kicking them out because they disagree. I'll tell you right now, I'll kick you out if you disagree, <laughs> and I say that. Half jokingly, obviously, we're perfectly fine having people in the group talking about from a different viewpoint and having a different opinion on the case. Absolutely. But I'm not going to listen to I'm we're not going to put up with insults. We're not going to put up with ugliness on the page. And I'm also not going to going to tolerate the constant reciting of the same talking points over and over again. Those points have been made. And, you know, I I disagree. I'm 100% convinced the West Memphis Three are innocent. If you don't like that, great. Don't like that. Go complain somewhere else about it. And this is one of those talking points where everybody says, well, Damien only does interviews if he controls the questions. I explained a little bit a minute ago how this interview happened. You know, it was me telling him, you know, I'd like to do an interview, him declining. Lori starts listening, hearing what we're doing on the podcast itself. She's, we're actually doing real work to investigate. Damien agrees to the interview. When we sat down prior to recording, like we're sitting there, I've got a cameraman, it's a tiny apartment. My wife was with me. So there's Damien Laurie, my wife Becky. I have my own sound equipment and then there's a sound guy with the cameraman and a cameraman all in this tiny little apartment. And we're sitting there and I'm like, all right, so we got a limited amount of time that that we can do. It's like, is there anything, and I asked Damien, is there anything you want to talk about or anything you don't want to talk about? And his response to me was, Whatever you want to do. He said, I only want to do this once. So just ask me anything you want to talk about. Nothing is off limits. Absolutely. He made. I even gave him the opportunity to say, Well, I'd rather not talk about fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And his response was, Whatever you want to ask me, go ahead. Because he's like, I don't want to go through this again. So let's, I don't want you to call me back next week and say, Now I want to talk about this. So yeah, that is complete BS. I've also talked to other people who have interviewed Damien and they've said the exact same thing. I guarantee you there is not one verifiable source anywhere where Damien has said, I'll only do the interview if you only ask these particular questions. He had no idea what I was going to ask him and didn't care what I was going to ask him prior to the interview.
1: All right, this one's from Tank. I'm sure I read somewhere that Damien claimed that there was still work being done on this case.
0: Did I miss that in the interview? I'm not aware of any law enforcement efforts, legal efforts, etc. Did I miss something? He didn't miss anything for sure. Law enforcement and definitely the prosecutor's office is not doing anything with this. Essentially what Scott Ellington, the prosecutor, did when when they had the Alfred plea in 2011, as he told them, and he made public statements, he, he made this statement very publicly, that if any new evidence comes forward that he would reconsider it and consider reopening the case if it's credible evidence. And then he's done nothing ever since then. When our series on oxygen airs, we're going to get a lot more into that, so I don't want get in, too much into it now. But in, but no, there there is efforts. Obviously, there's our efforts, uh, and I said when when Tank says here, he means like the Truth and Justice Army on the fan page and and our work. We're doing our own investigation, and also you know Damien and Lori, you know, Lori kind of handles most of it. But you know their legal team has done. He well, he mentioned a few things that people didn't. I don't I don't think any of that. I think some of that was new information as far as what was made public before, about them going into someone's house from back then and pulling up the flooring. I totally forgot that that was talked about in
1: there. Yeah, that was that was pretty groundbreaking to me. I didn't know about any of that. There was a lot more that we didn't and, get into in an the interview. And the vehicle mm-hmm. that they checked for, and they found blood in both. Right. So that that was pretty groundbreaking. I had never heard any of that.
0: Yeah, well, and just, you know, the efforts that they're going to, you know, in that. So for people who know the case, they know who we're talking about. For those of you who don't, I'm not going to get into it. Right now. But, yeah, so one of the people who some people consider a suspect sold his truck, like, right away. Like, with I think it was the days or weeks of of the murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was in, in that truck. They, they tracked it down, found it. They had the, the, the VIN number scratched, you know, removed from it. It had disappeared off the earth. But somehow they found the truck and did testing on it. So th- there's a lot of stuff. We talked about the one witness that they got to agree to do, um, to be hypnotized. Mm-hmm. I think we already talked about it. that was David Jacoby. But, yeah, they're, they're, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And then you have Jason on his side with you know his proclaimed justice, and they have, they have investigators, and they have a constant effort of trying to. So, so every time, so say the truck, they try to track it down. They find it. They test it, and they find it looks like there's some blood in the truck. They can't get any DNA profile from it, and then it could be completely innocuous from some other thing, whatever, mm-hmm. maybe. But, like, there's nothing really groundbreaking there. They're not doing a press release. Saying they're doing it. So people think because it's not being advertised that they're not doing anything, there are things being done. And there's still stuff being done right now as part of our efforts as well. That They're just not made public yet. So, so yeah, you didn't really miss it, Tank, but there, there, there are things happening. They're just not necessarily talking about it at the moment. All right. Michelle says, since they had to plead guilty to get out of jail, when the real killer is caught, will their records be cleared? Not sure how it all works in the States because I live in Canada. Yeah, so it's a complicated process. The the three were let out of prison on on what's called an Alford plea, those of you that aren't aware or a quick refresher. Essentially, there was enough evidence that the state acknowledged that most likely their conviction was going to be overturned in court, and most likely if they tried them again, they probably wouldn't win. But there, of course, was still risk there on both sides uh, because at the same time the defense was like, yeah, our conviction is probably going to be overturned, but also, you know, there's a risk that maybe it won't be, and if it does, we go back to trial. We could end up losing again. So the the defense proposes to the prosecution, "What about an alpha plea?" And and the state agrees to it. And then the, the state's actually the one that drafts it. They're the only ones that can actually put this agreement forward. But essentially, it says, "I will right, tell you what: if you plead guilty to the charges, we'll sentence you to time served." And so the net result of that was. That, you know, they had served 18 years and some change, they plead guilty, they were sentenced to 18 years and some change, but they had already served, they walked out free. But they walked out free as convicted murderers. So they'll live their life like that forever unless the only thing that can happen is their conviction would have to be overturned again. Mm -hmm. At this point, the only way that can happen is through a claim of actual innocence, which would mean we've proven, somebody proves who actually murdered Stevie, Michael, and Christopher, by doing that, the prosecutor would have really no choice but to reopen the case, dismiss the charges against the West Memphis Three, vacating their convictions based on actual innocence, and then charge the new person with, or people, whoever it is, with the murders if they're convicted and they get sent to prison. And then, yes, then their, then their records would be clear.
1: And maybe I'm stepping out of place, but I believe with the Alford plea, there's some monetary things there, too. Like, you know, when you see somebody wrongfully convicted, they, they're able to get out and the state awards them right X amount of dollars per year that they were incarcerated. And I think with the Alford
0: plea, that voids all of that. Yeah, because they're guilty. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not so much really in Arkansas. People say it saved the taxpayer a lot of money. But as far as I know, Arkansas is not great at compensating wrongfully convicted people. Okay. Like I don't think anyone's ever won a lawsuit against them that was wrongfully convicted, but you know it could happen. But but with an Alfred plea, the advantage to the defendant is you get to go home. Yeah, I mean Damien's. I mean Jason and Jesse had life sentences, but Damien had death sentence. Mm-hmm. So it's like right now, today, you get to go home, and this is over for you. You can never be charged again, tried again for it. You're going home.
1: Well, and Jason didn't want to accept it. Right. I, that was a big part, you know, but like he said, and I don't know if it's in the other interview, but like he said, I mean, he says, but they're trying to kill Damien.
0: Right. Yeah. They're going to kill Damien. Mm-hmm. And so, and and he was, you know, lawyer, their lawyers were leaning on him like, hey, because Jason had a pretty good life in prison mm-hmm. as far as like a, a life that you can have in prison. It wasn't bad. You know, he had a job. He knew people. He was in pretty good with the guards. He had built a life for himself. So he's like, I'll wait here until I can clear my name. They're like, well, how long are you gonna wait? Because they might kill Damien before your your, your chance comes. But but you know that the so the advantages you get to go home right now. The disadvantages, you live as a convicted murderer for the rest of your life. Now for the state, it's kind of a punt. They don't win and they don't lose. So they they let you go. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you quit messing with them. You quit filing appeals and yeah. keep fighting. Quit fighting them. But at the same time, you still get to say. They're guilty. The case is closed. We don't have to reinvestigate because they pled guilty. And then they get to, even though with an Alford plea, you're able to plead guilty while still maintaining your innocence, which you typically can't do. If if you, if you can't say, I'm pleading guilty, but I'm innocent, a judge typically won't accept that. There's a, there's a specific Supreme Court ruling, uh, called the Alford case is where this ruling came from where they allowed it to happen. It's not what it was originally intended to be for. But so the state gets to say, and anyway, they always do the same thing, just like them. They're like, yes, we will allow you to plead guilty, but maintain your innocence. And then six months later, when someone wants to talk about it, either to themselves or someone asks the prosecutor about it, it's like, we already know who did it. They pled guilty. They mm. pled guilty. They're guilty. And it's like, you don't get to go. It was very clearly in your deal they maintain their innocence. It's very obvious they said on the record. I am innocent, but I am pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. But they like to forget that. So, but that's the advantage for the state is they can't get sued because they pled guilty. Mm-hmm. They get to say the guilty person served their punishment for this. They don't have to reinvestigate the case anymore. Now, the the downside of it is that they also lose a little because they're letting these people go. And so, you know, I I think that the 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 DA there has had they've had their heads in the sand. The whole office had their heads in their sand since the. Um, Well, it's been Ellington ever since then, since the Alfred plea, just hoping people will stop talking about it. It's one of the reasons why we started this podcast up again and why we did the TV show, because we don't want to stop talking about it. We want to solve. We want justice for Stevie, Michael, and Christopher and see the records cleared for Damian, Jason and Jesse.
1: So like you said about Ellington, you know, myself included and so many other followers of the West Memphis Three, we kind of did the same thing. You know, I'm very guilty of that. Once they accepted the, the Alfred plea and got out. Free the West Memphis Three. We won, you know, we freaked right. them. So we kind of gave up. There was a lot of us that did that. You know, I'm I'm mildly ashamed to say that. Mm. Actually, I'm really ashamed to say that, but it's the truth. So it's, it's. I'm happy to see that you're picking this back up.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with that AIDS case. There's stuff being done in that case that tried me crazy, that's dragging, but same thing. Like we were fighting to free Ed AIDS, the hashtag free Ed AIDS, free Ed AIDS. We freed Ed AIDS, but Ed AIDS is still a convicted murderer. And Elnora Griffin's killer has still not been caught. And a lot of us have, Set, a lot of people have really settled back on that partially because we're not talking about it because we can't right now but mm-hmm. that's another one like I won't let that go I'm not done I will not rest until Ed H is exonerated and I will not rest until Elnora Griffin's killer is caught it's the same thing with this but it's just man you go nine years now coming up on nine years they've been out you know and it's, it kind of fades away but we're, we're trying to keep it in the spotlight A big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, and Jen Reese In Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com truthandjustice. Is it demeaning and or disrespectful to refer to someone as a co-host? I don't know. Why? I mean, no. did that come up? No. But I always think oh. about, I think about a lot of Bob and Weave, like, if I'm the one that introduces, like, I'm your host and my co-host, which I just mean, like, the other host. Yeah. But then sometimes I think co-host sounds like it's less than of a host. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. I, I never thought but about that. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I guess. Thoughts? Theories? Feelings? That's not a big deal. Right? Yeah. No. just I don't know.